As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I'm Otto Strong, along with my partner, Aaron Berlin, who's probably going to tell you something about Kansas. It's always a great week when we get to talk a little Kansas Jayhawk basketball, but we're taking a short break during this NBA offseason, but there's never a break from great content and Kansas basketball from Catch and Shoot 2.0 and Pure Hoops Media. Here's one of the great interviews we had over the last year or so, which we think you'll enjoy. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? We had two big off-the-court stories in the world of basketball last Wednesday. One was Danny Ainge retiring as president of basketball operations with the Celtics, promoting head coach Brad Stevens into the position. The other was Mike Krzyzewski as he steps away from being Duke's head coach. Hard to believe. <laughs> anyway, uh, he will step down after the 21-22 season, and assistant coach John Shire, former player, will set to uh, take his place. So it made for a very busy day for our guest, stadium basketball analyst and Field of 68 podcast host, Jeff Goodman. Uh, Jeff broke the news of Coach K stepping down, and Jeff also co-hosts the appropriately named Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman NBA podcast and is a frequent guest around Boston, talking Celtics, and all, all measure of hoops. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it was a uh, kind of a fun, crazy, um, you know, one of those days you just don't prepare for. Like, just came out of nowhere, absolute nowhere. I didn't know either were coming when I woke up that morning, that either were going to happen that day. So it was just – it was cool. I mean, listen, we, we all like the off season a little bit, and this is – you know, slower for me. Uh, Wednesday was anything but slow. Okay, Jeff, uh, you know, that's, it's amazing to me because I think we had all kind of had an idea of maybe that there were remnants and there were ideas that Ainge might step away. I don't think anybody had any idea that Brad Stevens would assume a front office position, but let's maybe start with the Coach K stuff. When did you start hearing that maybe retirement was a possibility for him, maybe not this year, but just when did that start to kind of trickle down? A couple months ago was the first time I kind of heard of it, you know, and obviously when Roy retired, uh, Roy Williams, you know, I, I think it started to pick up a little bit more steam talking about Coach K and what had happened this year and, you know, John Shire kind of going after the DePaul job. So once you see those things happening, you start to say, okay, if Shire wants out and, and he's trying to get the DePaul job, how much is this assigned? Nate James, their other assistant, got the job at Austin P, a head job, which is not a great, great job like some other former Duke assistants have gotten. You know, Chris Collins gets a power five. Steve Wojciechowski gets Marquette. 
So you're kind of reading the tea leaves here a little bit, but it picked up a lot in the days, probably, you know, a week or so before you start to hear it a couple times uh, and, and you figure, all right, there's something to this. For me, it was more of when, when they were going to put something out. You know, you could, like, I had a pretty good idea it was going to happen, but you don't know if he changes his mind. I've been burned enough by things of people making decisions. Like my favorite one ever is Trey Burke years ago. Trey Burke, after his freshman year at Michigan, he was the source who told me he was leaving for the NBA after one year at Michigan. I couldn't say that, but I put out, according to a source, Trey Burke is going to the NBA. Clears out his, his apartment, goes home, and he meets them with John Beeline and his dad, and they convinced him, and they said, like, no, no, you're not going anywhere. You, you're not a first-rounder. And it turned out to be the best move. But, again, things can change. So I've learned that over the years. You don't want to kind of, you know, jump the gun too much because you put out – even when I knew, and I had three sources on Wednesday, that Coach K was definitely retiring and, and telling his team at 3.30, you should have seen my, my, my hand on the button to hit send on Twitter when I tweeted that, that, that tweet. I would, it was shaking because it's Coach K. Like, <laughs> you're just like, I know I'm right, but what the hell if something crazy happens between now and then, you can't miss. You can't ever be wrong on this one. Again, I, I was 99.999% sure I was right, but it's just the, the, the gravity of that one. Like, there's a lot of them that I didn't know the gravity when I wrote or tweeted in the past. I, I broke a story years ago about Ed Rush, uh, Pac-12, uh, in charge of the refs, putting a bounty on Sean Miller. And it actually helped me get to ESPN. I was a CBS at the time. And I didn't know when I broke it the gravity of it. I had no idea. This one, you know the gravity of it. Like, you, you, it's Coach K retiring. That's all you need to know. Coach K retiring. And you can tweet whatever the hell you want other than that. It, it's going to have an impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I, I can relate a few times in the, over the career that, that kind of handshaking you know, moment where it's like, is this really happening? Um, but let's just, just dig in a little deeper. So, so the impetus for his putting the news out there, you, you feel, was um, assistance leaving and just wanted to kind of lock up and secure the future for the program? Is that, is that what, you're, what you're saying here? I, no, the, the reason for him retiring? At, at the, I'm sorry, at this point, at this point. Making, making, well, I, I think it was a, a combination. I mean, the biggest thing was obviously his age. But the reason why he, he announced it today, rather than doing what Roy Williams did and just stepping down, was, as he said, having a plan in place, right? Having, he, he wasn't ready yet. He wanted to coach one more year. He's got this kid named Paolo Pantera, who is a stud coming in this year. They're going to be good. They're not going to be like they were last year fighting just to get in the, you know, the NCAA tournament or being an NIT team, which is what they were. Um, so I think part of it was, hey, listen, I want to make sure that the kids that come a year from now know exactly what the plan is going to be. And we're going to have John Shire be the guy. I'll help. I'll help to make sure we get good players to sustain this thing. But again, I'm going to make sure that the kids that are coming a year from now understand they're not playing for me. They're going to be playing for John Shire. What do you think the farewell tour is going to be like? What, I, what do I think what? The farewell tour is going to be like. I, yeah, I mean, that's the other part. Like, everybody's like, well, is it because he wants the attention and this and that? I think that's a little bit. I do. I think, you know, every coach, you, you kind of want that. You go into 
Carolina and maybe get booed a little bit louder on that last game. Maybe they give you something pretty cool, whatever it is. But I, I do think as much as anything, he is Duke, right? Like his whole life has been spent, other than a few years at, at Army, at Duke. So, and he's given it to one of his players. Like a lot of times, guys that built programs, you know, like did Lou Olson, for example, want Sean Miller to succeed as much as Coach K wants John Shire? And part of the reason I think K picked John Shire is because, again, and, and same thing with, you know, Roy picking Hubert Davis. They know now they're always going to have that connection to the school. They're going to be able to walk into practice, right? They're going to have that access. That's what – and K is going to have it no matter who he picked, whether it's Brad Stevens or, or, or whatnot. Uh, but I think with Shire, it, it was an interesting one, guys, because there weren't a lot of guys that were really had, – had emerged – Yep. You know, I thought Steve Wojciechowski would be the guy. I really did because that was like – that's like Kay's favorite son. But he doesn't have a job right now. He's fired at Marquette. Chris Collins has been awful lately. Jeff Capel's been awful at Pitt. So, really, who are you talking about? You're talking about John Shire or Tommy Amaker, who I still don't think ever wanted the job. Just – I guess how extensive was the vetting process as they went through this coach-in-waiting scenario? And I know that's a tough situation or a tough question to ask, but – and I'm sure they probably spent a month, month and a half just going through this process. But can you kind of take us through from like a Duke point of view what this entailed? I, you know, one of the names I think about is I live in the Orlando area, so obviously Johnny Dawkins is a big one too. Yeah. But just how many people were spoken to and what were those conversations like? Yeah, I don't know how many, but they – how about this? They hired a search firm. Like, how dumb is that? Like, Duke has to hire a search firm to talk to a bunch of Duke people and a Duke and hire a Duke assistant who sits next to Coach K. The dumbest waste of money ever. And I love Kevin White, the outgoing AD. I love him. But it's just pissing away money. And that's what a lot of these people do. It's, it makes no sense. Now, again, you want a search firm to, like, do background checks? Normally, that's fine. John Chires on your bench. If you haven't already done a damn background check on him and you've known him since he was, you know, 15 years old when you recruited a, a, him out of Glenbrook North High School in suburban Chicago, like just a way. So I think they spoke to a couple people, but I think ultimately, listen, this is one man making the decision of who the next coach is at Duke and everybody else saying, okay, we'll sign off on it. And, and that's all it was, was Coach K saying, John Shire is the best person to run this program. And, and I like it. From a standpoint of John Shire is 33 years old. He can do what Kay and Roy and a lot of these other guys can't do anymore. Relate to kids. Like, they can't really relate. Like, they're okay. Like, Kay did adapt. I'll give him credit. He's done a great job adapting over the years. He's still 74 years old. Like, like why would Kay even want to fly around the country to go wave to a bunch of 16-year-old kids in a gym and be like, I'm here, I'm here watching you, I'm kissing your ass until I get you on campus. And he can't even kiss their ass when, like, he can't even coach them the way he wants to coach them on campus. You know, Jalen Johnson, their top freshman this past year, couldn't even coach them the way he wanted to, you know, because you got to kiss their ass because you got to make sure they're a one and done or else it hurts you with the next group. How much – well, I was just going to say, to build off that, how much has the transfer portal, portal weighed on some of these uh, Hall of Fame basketball coaches now? When you know, think about Jay Wright, John Calipari, and Bill Self, all of them, except for maybe Wright, all of them had pretty heavy turnover on the rosters this year. How much did that weigh on that decision as well? Yeah, I mean, Kay tried saying that the, the changing landscape did not have any effect in his decision. 
Uh, I don't completely buy it. Obviously, age was the primary factor. We know that. He's turning 75. But I do think he might have gotten another year, if not for the transfer portal exploding. There's almost 1,600 scholarship players in it. When I first started the transfer list about 15 years ago, first year I ever did it, 250 players. It's now almost 1,600. So then you've got name, image, likeness coming in. I'm not saying K is against name, image, likeness. It's just overall having to deal with it and the scope of it. And kids, think about it. Like this kid, Paolo, is coming in. He's going to have plenty of endorsement opportunities. He's going to have autograph opportunities. He's going to have maybe a car dealership. He's going to have people wanting him to come to their parties and paying him 500 bucks just to show up at a party. Think of all that that Kate's going to have to deal with with these kids and having – sit them down and, and talk to them about it and worry about them staying focused. There's just so much more now with social media, with name, image, likeness, with not being able to coach a kid for four years. Like, and Kate, listen, Kate did it to himself a little bit because Calipari was doing it with the one and dones, right? So Kate decided like, well, it's my only chance right now. It actually backfired on both of them because really they've only won one title apiece. Yeah. Jay Wright has won two. By what? Getting older. Like getting older has won. Like being young and talented has not proven uh, to really be nearly as successful as, you know, Carolina with older guys, Villanova with older guys, Baylor with older guys this past year. So, again, it's the landscape is changing. And I think it did play a part in, in speeding up the process for Coach a, K retiring. For, before we uh, move on to the Celtics, just for kind of a look ahead. So John Shire, former player, obviously played in the Duke program, familiar with the program. What is, what do you, how do you see this kind of working out for the program uh, more so than for, than for Shire individually? So the crazy thing, guys, and I'm, I'm aging myself, I broke John Shire's commitment to Duke. How crazy is that? I mean, I came up covering recruiting. Full circle, baby. Full, Full circle. circle. So I've known Shire forever. So I feel like I'm probably – as, uh, you know, as uh, able to, to weigh in on this as anybody, here's what I'll say. Um, and I don't know if you guys know the answer to this. How many Final Fours do you think Duke's been to in the last 10 years? If you, quick guess, say, I'd say two. What'd you say? I'd say two. Quick guess, I'd two? say two. That, that, that was probably my initial answer as well. Because the last five years have not been great. One. One Final Four in 10 years. They won the title. And with Okafor, Justice Winslow, and Tyus Jones, but one Final Four. So, listen, can John Shire win one title in 10 years? Can he go to one Final Four? If he goes to one Final Four in five years, isn't that a major success? Right? Like, yeah. I think so, he can do that. So, well, so, so the question then becomes – Duke was synonymous with K, right? And, like, the Duke program was successful because of K. Does the Duke program still have that allure with Shire as the head coach? It won't have the same. Absolutely, it won't have the same allure, but it, it'll still, to me, Duke's still Duke. Cameron's still Cameron, right? You, you yeah. still have that. K will still be there. You don't think K will pick up the phone if John Shire says, hey, coach, can you do me a favor? We're in the mix for this top 10 kid. Can you know, when he comes down, can you come to campus a little bit and just, you know, help me close the deal? Yeah. Lineage helps. Right, right. So I, I think, again, and I think what, what Shire, getting back to what I said earlier, he can relate to these kids. At 33 years old, he can absolutely relate much better 
than a lot Jim Laranega, right? Or you're fighting, I'm trying to think of who else they'll fight. Uh, you know, Cal Perry's a different deal, obviously, yeah. in Kentucky. They, they should go back to owning recruiting if Cal wants to have a, a fire lit under his ass this year after last and, year. And the transfer, transfer portal now as well. Right. So I, I think Shire will be fine. But again, I talked to him. Like, he understands. You can't live up to Coach K. Most guys, when I talk to all the guys that I thought would be involved in this, and I won't say, like, who, but I've already mentioned yeah. their names, right? Chris Collins, Wojo Capel, Amaker, Dawkins, all those guys. Most of them told me they're like, I pray he doesn't call me and ask me to take this job. Mm-hmm. Like, please, I don't want to see my phone ring and see Mike Shish- Coach K <laughs> on there asking me to take over for him because they all get it. Like, but John Shire's 33. He didn't get to Paul. So if you're John Shire, you're ecstatic about this because you still got one of the best five jobs in America, maybe one of the top three jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we're talking obviously a legacy college program. Let's go to a legacy pro program out in Boston Celtics, clearly. So um, a, a number of people thought the move was a little, little maybe uh, unusual with, with, with Stevens going upstairs. So how, how do you see this and what, are your, what was your reporting telling you? Yeah, I mean, it was shocking to me. Like, I knew Ainge was going to be out, uh, but I did not have any idea Brad Stevens would slide over, and I still can't believe Brad Stevens is not going to be coaching. Like, if you had told me that three, four years ago, that Brad Stevens would not be coaching anywhere, I would have said you're out of your mind. I mean, this is a guy who, who did an incredible job at Butler. We know that. Like, what he did getting Butler to two straight national title games in the Horizon League, one of the greatest accomplishments in, in college basketball history. Then he goes to the Celtics and takes, in my opinion, a subpar roster to the Eastern Conference Finals with Isaiah Thomas being the best player on the team. Isaiah Thomas. Like, think about that for a minute. Yeah. And then it kind of catches up with him in the last year and a half. And I don't know if catches up with him is the right word, but obviously they underachieved, right? They had some issues. We know that. You know, you're in the bubble. That's a tough deal. And this year, players have told me it's much harder this year than any other year before. They're testing twice every day, much harder this year than, than any year. Uh, but ultimately, and they had injuries. They had injuries. But ultimately, it wasn't working. And, and I was – I love Brad Stevens, first of all. Like, one of my favorite people I've ever been around, I've ever met doing this job. But I felt like it was time. It had just run its course with Brad Stevens and the Celtics team, that they needed to make a change. So – you're at a crossroads if you're Wick Rousbeck, uh, the owner of, of the Celtics. What do you do? Do you trade a star player? Because you, you need to do something big. Do you, do you trade a star player or do you make a move with Brad Stevens? Well, they decided that with Danny retiring, yeah, it made a whole lot more sense. You know, it wasn't working. I don't know whose idea it was ultimately. My guess is it was Danny Ainge and Wick Rousbeck talking about it. And, and I know Danny told me that the one thing with Brad was that Wick trusts him. He trusts him. Like, everybody likes Brad Stevens. And obviously, he is so cerebral, so smart. You could say what you want about him as a coach over the last year plus. But, again, he knows their personnel. Uh, he's been involved in a ton of decisions that they've made over the years because of the relationship Danny Ainge and Brad had. And, obviously, Brad's knowledge of the college game. So draft-wise, Brad would be there. When I'd show up for workouts, Brad would be at almost every single one of them because he wanted to be. 
So I think in that sense, the transition is easier for Brad Stevens. My biggest worry with Brad Stevens, the GM, is, is he too nice a guy? Is he able to absolutely hose another GM without feeling guilty with it? Can he do it? Can Brad Stevens be, listen, you got to have some BS in you. You got to, like Danny Ainge, he didn't give a shit. Like Danny Ainge, he didn't care who he raked in a trade. He was going to do whatever he had to do. And, and I just don't know if that's going to be Brad. Is this a clear signal that he's done with the college game for good? I mean, it would have been really easy because I, I read every college message board there is. Kansas fans, Indiana fans, Kentucky fans, that they all have aspirations of Brad Stevens being their coach one day when their guy steps away, right? But is this a clear indication that he's done with the college game and that even if it doesn't work out in the front office with the Celtics, he's probably going to be an NBA head coach somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, 100%. He's going to be another NBA. He's going to get another NBA head coaching job. I, I think he gets it in 12 months. Wow. Like I, I think he's a coach of another NBA team in a year. I think this is a short-term deal, and Brad's away from it. And, and he enjoys – part of the reason, too, why this was so attractive to him is he's got two kids that are – one's, I think, going into his freshman year of high school, his son and his daughter's a couple of years younger. Brad is a family guy period. And it's no BS. He is all about family. He wants to watch his son play AU ball. He wants to see his daughter um, do her activities. So I think this will give him a chance to kind of step back, plan his own schedule, you know, and kind of figure it out. Obviously, you're still going to have to work hard. You're going to have to go to college games and evaluate. Uh, you're going to have to watch NBA games, but it's just different. It's a different type of, of schedule. So I think, though, after a year, Brad is going to be like, you know what? I miss coaching. I'm a coach and I'm a damn good coach. And he is. He's a really like I'm still surprised they didn't wait it out a little bit longer. Maybe they couldn't and find out, like, are the Pacers making a move? Yeah. You know, what I mean, like that's yeah. where I thought he'd go right now. I actually thought that would be the easy transition right now would be if 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 Nate, the Indiana fans would be so thrilled to have him back. Like they would think that's the greatest thing ever. And Again, Brad with that team, if they bring back, you know, they, what, they may lose McDermott and McConnell or their two unrestricted free agents, but they bring everybody else back. Who knows what they do with Miles Turner? You know, Karis LeVert's going to get healthier. Like that Indiana team did not do nearly as well as they could have or should have this year. Sabonis was hurt. But they got some good talent on that Indiana team to build around. But here's you say it, that that's something that that's a job that could happen down the line. But his his job one right now is filling his chair. And so, I mean, where, where's your look? Who, who's who, who, who do you who do you think he should be? He should be looking at. I mean, I would take a shot at Juwan Howard. And it's funny because I criticized the move when Michigan hired Juwan Howard. I was like, oh, here we go again. Another <laughs> former NBA guy with 100 million in their in their bank account. They're going to fail because they don't want to work that hard. Juwan, everybody I've talked to has been like, wow, like his work ethic is ridiculous. He's got some shit to him. So he'll jump guys. I, I think that's what like Tatum and Jalen Brown and some of these guys need. Like that was the one issue with the Celtics, right? They dug themselves holes seemingly every game. And they just didn't play with a lot of emotion, intensity. Um, I, you know, I Chauncey Billups, you're hearing San – I think they have to have a former – player to me a former NBA player as the coach I, I think they need a different type of voice 
a guy that can get up in these guys. I just feel like these days, most NBA players, they're, they're, they're going to, honestly, they're going to respect the guy that played the game that they're playing and played at a pretty high level over the Brad Stevens of the world. Not that they didn't respect Brad. I think he won quickly enough that, that he earned their respect, and those guys were young coming up. But, I, yeah, I think like a Chauncey Billups, you know, the big difference between Billups and Cassell and Juwan Howard, at least, is Juwan Howard has run a – he's been a head coach for a couple of years. Not in the NBA, but in college. He was a – played almost 20 years. Coach is an assistant for a while with the Heat, part of that culture. You talk to Spo, I've talked to Spo and, and Udonis Haslam, and they both rave about his work ethic. Like, absolutely rave. Everybody at Michigan that I, I'm plugged in with, same thing. So, I, I think, again, to me – now, now, here's the caveat to it, guys. Here's why they can't get Juwan Howard after having my whole sales pitch of this. One of Juwan Howard's sons is on the Michigan team currently. Another one is coming in two years. So I don't think Juwan Howard leaves, but damn, I try. I, I just – I go hard and I see because it's like, Juwan, you could have one of the best – I mean, where would you guys rank the Celtics head coaching job in the NBA right now? Oh, it's, I mean, it's always one or two. It's right behind the Lakers. I, I'd even say top five, right? Like, because yeah. you can't get free agents in Boston like you can some of those other places. So I'm not sure I put it at one and two. Obviously, tradition, it's one or yeah. two. But when you include everything, I'd say top five-ish, which That's is fair. fair. That's fair. So, so to build off that, where do the Celtics go to get better? Obviously, the skipper is one thing. The locker yeah. room relationship is another thing. But you still have to have the talent on the floor. Where do they go? Boy, people around here kill me for this, but I have said I would, I would try to get Brad Beal in a deal for Jalen Brown. I and people crush me for it. Crush me. But I just – here's what I feel like. When I watch Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, especially this season, it looks like they've never played together. It looks like they, they've got no chemistry, none whatsoever. And Kemba – it's just so unpredictable whether he's ever and, – and, again, another guy I love. Like, Kemba is, like, the best dude ever. Always smiling. He's the anti-Kyrie in so many ways, but he's not as talented as Kyrie, and now he's always hurt. So you can't trade Kemba because he makes too much money. Can't get enough. You can trade Marcus Smart, but what are you going to get back for? You know? I would think Brad Stevens, being the coach that has let Marcus Smart shoot 10 threes – Daniel Tice be a three-point shooter, turned Al Hortford into a stretch five. He would let any of the three of us probably jack up five or six threes a game. I would think Brad Stevens is going to make moves to get whoever is the next coach, more skilled guys, more shooters. Just, just looking at it from his perspective, right? Like Danny Ainge didn't give him enough of those guys. He gave him Fournier this year, but, but it was late. It was late in the game, and they never had a chance to all four of them play uh, together. So I would say my thing with Bradley Beal is he's a better decision maker than Jalen Brown. I think Bradley Beal could average seven assists if you kind of put the ball in his hands and let him play through Bradley Beal, and he has more around him. The other thing is Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum are like brothers. They went to the same high school, Chaminade High School in St. Louis. They're boys. Like it's Bradley Beal is a big brother to Tatum. So the chemistry, I think, would be there as well. Now, Beal's making a lot more money. That's the issue. Jalen Brown, they actually have on the cheap, comparatively speaking. But I, I would, I would look that avenue if Bradley Beal demands a trade. Um, got a lot, got a lot of, lot of stuff going on there. Um, 
switching to the, uh, the playoffs right now, what are you what are you seeing? What are you what are you uh, any storylines? Anything interesting popping off to you? I mean, the big storyline is it's wide open. You know, like, I don't know who's going to win it all right now. I mean, you know, James Harden's hurt again. No surprise there. We didn't think the big three would get through unscathed. I don't think anybody did from injury since all three of them have injury issues. Um, you know, LeBron out right now. You know, listen, you know, Milwaukee in that first game looked like garbage. Um, I think it's wide open. And I think that's the beauty of it this year. Could Utah win the title? Why not? Right? Like, why not? I mean, most people are going to say Milwaukee, Brooklyn winner is probably going to be the, the pick. That's what most people, I think, are going to go with at this point. Um, you know, Philly looked like garbage in that first game to Atlanta. I don't see Atlanta getting – I still think Philly figures it out, and I think you got to put Ben Simmons on Trey Young. Ben Simmons is still the fastest player his size I've ever seen. Like, I saw him back in high school. I've seen him at LSU. I've seen him with the Sixers. I've never seen anybody faster with the ball in his hands at his size. Uh, so I would put him on Trey Young, try something different. And maybe Trey Young will get right by him like he does everybody else right now. But, but I would go that route. And in the West, it's fun because I think they're all – you could throw all four kind of in a hat right now. Like, I have no idea who's going to come out of the West. Well, awesome, Jeff. Uh, to be honest, I have nothing else. This has been great. Love your platform. The Field of 68 podcast is a must listen to for anyone out there. Real quick, before we let you go, if you haven't noticed, I'm a Jayhawk fan. I went to KU from Lawrence, live in the Orlando area now. Can you just give me a quick 60 seconds on what you think the Jayhawks will be next year and what Bill Self has done? Yeah, I mean, the big thing, obviously, is I think they'll be quicker. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll be faster. They've got speed at the point guard spot. That's going to be the biggest thing. I think uh, Agbaji's probably going to leave. I'd be surprised if he comes back. Uh, and that's why they got Jalen Coleman lands the transfer from Iowa State to come in and make shots in, in case Agbaji leaves. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. The big Kansas thing is obviously with the NCAA. What happens there? And uh, is Bill Self, the next coach of the San Antonio Spurs, like so many think he might be because of his relationship with, uh, with R.C. Buford? I, I don't know. But I think I'll tell you one thing. I think Bill Self is one hell of a basketball coach. Like most, when you talk to people that are plugged in, coaches in, in college basketball, they, a lot of them will say Bill Self is the best X's and O's guy in all of college basketball. I've heard the same about Chris Beard as well, too. So Love that was Beard. another good hire for UT. Yep. Jeff, thanks so much for your time, for everything. You can follow him at Goodman Hoops. He's one of the best. If you want to know what's going on in the transfer portal, you've had everyone <laughs> in touch all offseason long, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, have a great summer. That was dope. If you'd like to hear more of Catch and Shoot 2.0 and all the Pure Hoops media has to offer, you can find us on our website, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the video versions of Catch and Shoot Quick Hitter, as well as some fun video segments from all of our other shows here on the Pure Hoops Media YouTube channel. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.